Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2023. And heading into day eight, there's a collection of superstars and new talent all looking to make history. With the stakes rising, the reigning French and U.S. Open champion got bounced by the most recent Wimbledon winner as the women's draw is wide open. Plus, we preview today's All-American showdown of former college stars Ben Shelton and J.J. Wolf. Will it be a Gator or Buckeye in the quarterfinals? And we begin our year-long celebration of the WTA's 50th anniversary, showing how the sport of tennis was changed forever. All those stories and much more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. It is fitting that Melbourne Park is located on Batman Avenue as the Australian Open is home to a veritable Justice League of tennis superheroes. All with unique talents, but wielding the same weapon and fighting for the same prize. Welcome to TC Live, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. And our featured matches in Melbourne Park today, starting with a blockbuster on Rod Laver Arena between Arena Sabalenka and Belinda Bencic. Tommy Paul is on Margaret Court to face Roberto Bautista Agut. And that All-American matchup of Ben Shelton and J.J. Wolf over on John Kane Arena. Novak Djokovic headlines the night session on Laver. Sabalenka's getting ready. Not only has she not dropped a match this week, she hasn't dropped a set all year. Looking to make the quarterfinals here for the very first time. And there's a joker on Batman Avenue as well. Novak Djokovic trying to make the final eight in Melbourne for the 13th time, 54th at a major. Will his hamstring hold up against Alex Dimonor? Come on in. Great to have you here with us. Steve Weissman, Prakash Amitraj, Lindsay Davenport, John Wertheim, Martina Navratilova will join us throughout the show. How about this? The first major in the open era where the top two seeds on both sides are out before the quarterfinals. Absolute madness in Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, can we get any more surprises? I was shocked yesterday with Coco Goff going out to Yelena Ostapenko. There was something about her walk and her play, and even what Coco was saying in her interviews that led me to believe this was going to be the first of many for Coco. Didn't happen yesterday. Maybe questionable tactics, an opponent who played great. Um, but I was, of all the kind of crazy results we've had the last few days, and especially yesterday, uh, that one shocked me the most. Same country, same doubles team, happier <laughs> result. How about Jesse Pagula? There's only one American left on the women's side. There's only one top three seed left. It is the same person, and Jesse Pagula just has this air about her. It's like a, uh, it's like a neighborhood that is gentrified. It just, just kind of keeps getting nicer and nicer, and now <laughs> she is a top three seed, highest remaining seed in the draw. Jesse Pagula, things are looking very good for a first major for her. Was not expecting that analogy. <laughs> no. Kasha, what stood out to you? Stefano Tsitsipas. Oh. I, I thought that match yesterday, those are the kind of matches that win you grand slams. I mean, after he won those first two sets, lost the wheels a little bit, but 
started getting negative, was able to pull it back together. I think in the years past, it might have been a match that he let go, was able to get his mind back together in that fifth set, body language picked up, was pretty clutch during that match, sort of the opposite happening with Felix. Mm. I think this puts Steph in a good position to make the final from that half. Got a lot of experience in Australia, and there's an American on the women's side in the quarterfinals. There's an American man there as well, and we're calling it the Corda Finals because that's his name, Seb Corda. His whole family is in on it. Sister Jessica tweeted in that she's been watching, obviously staying up very late to watch Seb. Said, hilarious if anyone thinks I can fall asleep <laughs> after that. Absolute fire from her brother. She's a professional golfer. Her sister, Nellie, just completed her round in Florida, playing the tournament of champions in Lake Nona and by the way pops and mom Regina Peter <laughs> former Australian Open champ they're watching that Lindsay yeah we got to thank Randy Walker for publishing this photo but they, they must have a hard time deciding on their schedule on who do they go and support uh, they've got a lot to choose from balancing a lot so they go from watching one on the golf course to then I'm sure in front of that TV for many many hours last night watching Sebi get that win I wonder if they make that trip. Long trip to Australia, but you can do this with two days' notice. I wonder if they stay away, things are going good, I don't want to break any juju, or if they say, listen, 25 years after Pops won this title, wouldn't it be cool if I were sitting there as my son played late into this event? Every time you take a look at the, the brothers, sisters, everyone in that family, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, you always talk about it's the people you surround yourselves with. And when everyone is in that mode of just giving it their 12 out of 10 effort on everything, everyone is in the habit of winning, it all feeds each other. And I love the way it's happening for them. And they all seem so close together. There doesn't seem to be any right. kind of no jealousy. or any, No, no, not at all. Um, really beautiful to see. Sebi had a great quote. I'm the least accomplished in my family so far. Dad has gotten That's the so two funny. in the world. So His mom was ranked as high as 26. <laughs> Obviously, Nellie number one. Jessica's been in the top five, I believe. But that might be changing yeah. in the yeah. next couple days. <laughs> I have soon. a feeling pretty with soon. this result. He's up to 25 in the live rankings, yep. and that can keep going up and up. But uh, Nelly did say he is the best athlete, <laughs> hands down, in the family. You don't want to see him on the golf course with the lefty yeah. swing as well. The Kardashians, as they call themselves, just killing life right now. Chris Eubanks, our colleague and maybe top 100 player coming up, joins us on the show later. We also have a lot to cover. The 50th anniversary for the WTA, the Golden Jubilee. We'll talk about that. We'll delve into doubles down under. You don't want to miss our Bet365 match preview. But when we return, it is the top storylines. Upsets abound. How top seeds became history while others would make it. And the final eight, well, half of them are already decided. We'll also have the GOAT, Martina Navratilova with her own self-made painting in the background with tennis balls. It's amazing. She does everything. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live once again comes your way at 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday to get you ready for first ball on ESPN2 at 7 Eastern. Encore coverage, 7 a.m. Eastern, right back here on Tennis Channel with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. Lindsey John, Steve, back at the desk. It is that time when we welcome in the Hall of Famer, Martina. Now, oh, we're going. There Martina's we go. going no glasses today. We loved the glasses yesterday, Marty. Oh, I got the glasses. I got oh, the okay. glasses. <laughs> I got the glasses. And then also some tape because one of the dogs, again, chewed Nerd. my glasses. Well, Which dog? Well as, oh, of course. Name and shame. I think it's Johnny. Named okay. after John McEnroe. Go figure. That's <laughs> true. It was destructive. No. He was right. born during Wimbledon five years ago. So then me and John. Love that. Uh, we learn something new every day with Martina. Yep. Let's get straight to these highlights. Last two major champs meeting in the fourth round. Iga Sviantec, who won the U.S. Open in Roland Garros, facing Wimbledon winner Elena Rybakina. First real test for the world number one, Martina. Well, Lindsay called it. You know, Iga Sviantec hasn't faced somebody serving as big as Rybakina, and it, it, she could not handle it. Only got uh, four break points, broke twice. Rybakina winning 80% of her first serves, just really dominating, getting on top early in the rallies, going for the returns as well. Not getting Shiontek any chances to get into a rhythm. Shiontek got up a break in the second, looks good, but Rybakina breaks right back. And uh, hitting behind uh, Shiontek quite a bit, which is very useful against PD players. She hits the ball to the forehand, see Shiontek goes to the forehand, to the backhand, she goes back behind her again. And here she goes again, three times in a row into the forehand side, Shiontek looking for the backhand. And that was pretty much the story, as Rybakina just uh, went for the returns of serve and uh, did not allow Shiontek to get into the rallies and hold serve easily there uh, for the match. So well done to her. She, Shiontek just didn't have it today, but I think it's more Rybakina than, than Shiontek's fault. Since she was attacking from the first ball, let's hear from both of them, starting with Iga Shiontek. Past two weeks have been pretty hard for me, so um, I felt today that I don't have that much to like to take from myself to fight even more, you know. So um, I really wanna, I don't know, just I felt like I t- like I took 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 a step back in terms of uh, how I approach these tournaments. I knew that I had to be aggressive from the first ball because she's a great mover and she defends really well. So. Uh, I was trying to just uh, attack uh, from the first ball, and uh, it really worked uh, well. Martina, Iga said she felt the pressure, felt that she didn't want to lose instead of wanting Mm. to win. What what did you make of that? That's a problem. You've got to, no matter how much pressure you feel, you've got to play to win, not, not to lose. You don't win majors playing not to lose ever. So that's a that's a big lesson for her. I think when you don't want to lose or you don't you want to win, you're in the future. You're not in the moment. So she needs to kind of uh, re- retrace those steps and and reset. And hopefully she won't make that same mistake again. That pressure is self-imposed. So you really need to control it better than that, which she has been doing so well last year. But uh, and today, um, yesterday, it really caught up with her because she had an easy route to the round of 16. Granted, they shouldn't have played in the round of 16. should have been a quarter. Rybakina's Wimbledon points don't count, but that's how it is. You still have to beat, beat her one way or the other eventually. And she just didn't have it. So pressure yeah, does funny things to people. 
Yeah, we thought she'd feel the pressure on the court, playing an opponent like Rabakina, who served so well. And Rabakina had a great service day, 80% of first serve points won, really put a lot of pressure on Shviantek as well. Returning Shviantek's second serve, she moved up in the court, so immediately Shviantek felt under the gun, and she was on her back foot. Interesting to hear her also feel so much pressure within herself. I mean, it's tough enough when you've got to beat the opponent on the other side, and when you're also battling yourself, it's normally a recipe for disaster. A lot of credit to Rabakina, who played really one of the best matches since Wimbledon last year on such a big stage. But Shviantek, she looked stressed at the United Cup against Pagula when she lost. She just hasn't really settled into her rhythm yet this season. How about Rabakina, though? New rule. When there is an event and you disagree with policy, don't withhold ranking points. New rule. When you have a Wimbledon champion in your draw, put her on a big court. Let people see the show, especially when it's a fast court. She is way better than her ranking would suggest. I feel, feel good for her. She talked about being banished to these outer courts. Now everybody knows her name. That's as big a win as she's had, as you say, Lindsay, since Wimbledon. Started the week on court 13, beats the world number one on the biggest stage. Now she is into That's the final good. eight. But the surprises did not end there, Lindsay. Coco Golf facing Elena Ostapenko, former Roland Garros champion, had never beaten a top 10 player in Melbourne. Never say never. And Goff had eight break points in this match, and this would be the only one she would convert in just the third game of the match. Goff really struggled with the power of Ostapenko. It's interesting, Goff did not try and make this a physical match. I really thought she would back up, try and make a lot of balls, spread the court and make Ostapenko run. But she didn't do that. She tried to hit Ostapenko, out-hit her for part of the match, served a lot of balls to Ostapenko's backhand, which is her strength. It's just really interesting. I wonder if she wasn't feeling some of the pressure also with Sviantek losing during... The first set of her match, sometimes they put the scores up on the upper scoreboard. Ostapenko played great, but the ball was in her strike zone too often in this match. For two players that have struggled with double faults over the last couple seasons, that was not part of the equation in this match. But the offensive tennis of Ostapenko was too much for the game of golf yesterday. Ostapenko making her first major quarterfinal in five years. 30 winners Saved seven of eight break points, converted all three of her chances. And Coco Goff, a, a bit emotional after. I worked really hard, and I, you know, I felt really good coming into the tournament. And I still feel good. Like, I still feel like I've improved a lot. Um, you know, when you play a player like her and she plays really well, it's like, you know, there's nothing you can do. And I feel like today, um, I wouldn't say nothing, because every match you play a part in. But I feel like it was rough. Um... So it's a little bit frustrating on, on that part. Okay. I'm okay. Always tough to see she did continue that press conference, and she is still in the doubles and said that is good for her to keep playing with, obviously, Jesse Pagula. They're uh, moving on and looking to win their first doubles title together. Martina, what was most concerning for you from Coco in that match? I just want to give her a hug. You know, she wants it so badly, but she's really found a better balance emotionally. I think Ostapenko just hit her off the court. She goes for broke. She improved her serve. Ostapenko, that's been kind of an Achilles heel. You could attack it. It was not attackable. And, uh, you know, Coco didn't really do anything wrong other than, as Lindsay said, maybe mix it up a little bit more, back up and get more balls in play. But Ostapenko had a clear game plan, hit behind Goff, and it worked beautifully. Goff is too speedy. She takes off pretty early in the rally. And Ostapenko really explo exploited that and hit behind her, hit a lot of winners hitting behind Coco. But learning experience, I mean, she should not be hanging her after this. Yeah.
Quick word about the winner, though. I mean, it's, it's been six years since Ostapenko won that major. She hasn't won one since, hasn't been back to a final since, but she's still a top 20 player. She doesn't really care what you think of her. There's a layer of frost sometimes between her and the rest of the field. I say good. It's individuality. And she's still a really dangerous player. Is she going to win a second major? Who knows? But uh, that's a nice win for her. Nice to see her doing so well. Yeah, and we just got it. Wonder how golf's going to come back from this. She's got such a great head on her shoulders. She's so mature, going to be 19 only in March. But her expectations are to be winning these. Yeah. And, and you kind of, once you get to pro tennis, you really throw age out the window. No matter if you're playing someone in their late 30s or someone in their teens, she has been training really for the last 10 years to win majors. It's not happening. She's seen some other people mm. win majors that maybe she thinks she's better than or maybe could achieve that. Um, but I think she goes into Paris, I and mean, she's so good on the clay. Mm -hmm. But this one's going to hurt for a little while, but hopefully come May she's ready to go again. What did I tell you? Her first major is going to be at Roland Garros. That's where did she... you say this year? I couldn't remember. Maybe, but okay. that's where I think she wins her first major. Yeah, best on clay for sure. Yeah, and by, looking ahead, Ostapenko 2-0 against Rybakina. She's only lost 11 games in those two matches. She may mess around and win another major. The only American remaining then, Coco's doubles partner, Jesse Pagula, playing Barbora Krejcikova. Pagula John came in 4-0 in fourth-round matches at Grand Slams. Yeah, she hadn't lost a set in, in this event either, and that would continue. Look, nice flash from uh, Pajikova, who has a lot of gears, more gears than her opponent, but this was sort of a uh, uh, style over substance. Look at this nice little topspin lob by Jesse P. Someone texted me, they said, what does she do well? I'm watching this. What am I supposed to look for? And I said, just look at what she doesn't do well, which is nothing. She is so solid, Pagula's, and now she's backing it up with a... I deserve to be here. Confidence, nice movement right there. She had 18 breakpoint opportunities yesterday. Really got into critique of a service game. Critique of a not a bad server either. And Pagula broke five times on the day, hitting her spots there. That's an awful nice set point to close out that first set. And then she really cruised. She was tested for, for one set and then really sort of uh, a amber set for her. Look at this. Watch this shot. That is Davin Portian. Uh, nice shot. A little lucky, but she didn't have to apologize for that. Really sort of cruised after winning a, a tight first set. She's now played eight sets, won eight sets, highest remaining seed. On a day that her Buffalo Sabres won, Jesse Pagula completing a hat trick of quarterfinals at the Australian Open. Interesting feeling, I guess. I, I still don't really feel like that because, I mean, I look at the draw and there's still girls that, I mean, today she won, you know, French Open. You have... Rebekino, who won Wimbledon last year. You have um, Biko, who does really well here. You, Caroline, won the championship. So, like, it doesn't really feel like I'm the highest left, even though that's, I guess, a cool stat. Um, it feels like there's still a long ways to go, to be honest. Very mature as well. Knows exactly what she's talking about. Highest-ranked player left in the draw. Before making her first major quarterfinal here two years ago, she had only won three main draw matches at the Grand Slams. So taking a look at this draw, Lindsay, who do you have the most faith in to come through? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Pagula, but she's the only one there hasn't won a major. So, yeah, I think that I'm going to on the fence here. <laughs> Martina, question to you. Who do you have the most faith in to come I think I'm going. I think I'm going with Rybakina. She, you yeah. know, this court favors her. It's faster. She's playing well. She must feel really confident after taking care of Sharon, taking straight sets. It's going to be hard to find openings against her. So I give a slight edge to Rybakina, but I think Pagula should beat Azarenka and get to her first semi here.
Let's give Azarenka her due. I mean, this is a decade since she won this event. Here she is still playing in, in her, uh, her mid-30s into week two of this event. But I just think Jesse Pagula has this mindset of, I deserve to be here. I'm seated third. I'm going to live up to my seating and then some. I think she's looking really good to win that first title. Yeah, and one thing that we've been talking about, she doesn't have any big weaknesses. Well, she's very strong mentally, and that's been a huge improvement. This was at 5-3 in the first set. She thought she won this set with a double bounce, and she kind of looked surprised. Her coach was surprised there. It's so hard when you think you've won a set, and then you have to keep playing. It got back to 5-all, and Krejcika had points to go up 6-5, and nothing seems to really rattle mm -hmm. Jesse. Just stayed completely calm, ends up winning that first set. You've seen a lot of other players melt down for much less than that, and she, nothing seems to bother her out there. And she talked about it, too. She said, listen, I was annoyed, annoyed, and then I said to myself, look, are you going to win this set, or are you going to keep griping about this? And she reset, and then 5-all closed out the next two games. Right, Could that... you tell if it was in? Could anybody see it? Never saw the replay. Never saw the replay. Oh. No. Mm. Right. Oh. Here it is. One. Let's see. Let's see. I think she got, got it. it. Yeah, she, she got did. it. Yeah. But I mean, she thought. Yeah. I, yeah. Think I think she got, got it. it. Yeah. In her head, didn't, yeah, didn't get it. it. So still tough to, to rebound from that. All right. So Martina says Rybakina and Pagula, and we'll wait the for fencer. tomorrow. The green, <laughs> uh, green class <laughs> fencer. <laughs> we'll get an answer from Lindsay at some point. Yeah. Uh, still to come, more upsets on the men's side. Would any of these guys survive and advance? All the highlights straight ahead. Back on TC Live, Air Caro grounded. Caroline Garcia getting stretched out, ready to go. We'll play Magda Lynette later tonight for a spot in the quarterfinals. Top French woman in the world playing spectacular tennis. Back to the action from yesterday. Rematch from last year's quarterfinals, John. One round earlier between Stefano Tsitsipas and Yannick Sinner. The Italian just 1-15 in 15 against top five players on tour. Yeah, Tsitsipas had won uh, seven sets against Sinner and then became nine sets. Looked like he was cruising. Hadn't dropped a set yet in this tournament. And then a couple of loose, uh, nice drop shot from the Italian there. Gets a break in the fourth. And then... The Picks up his game and Steph level dropped off. Takes us to a fifth set. Does Sinner and then nice recovery from Sitsipas. Uh, Sinner sort of went away a bit in the fifth. A nice hustle by Steph. Look, misses that uh, that open pass. Uh, Steph gets the break and rolls out from there. Bit of a strange match. I mean, it could have been a lot simpler. On the other hand, good for him. Down two sets. Lost the. Fourth, the third and the fourth, and then comes back and wins in five. Onward, Steph. Said, I feel like I spent an entire century on court playing tennis. Uh, four okay. hours was the total. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oh. Oi, oi, oi. Pander, pander, pander. <laughs> hey, well, hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> A lot of Greek folks in Australia uh, cheering him on. Meantime, uh, the Canadian, Felix Ojeali-Assim, looking to get back to the quarterfinals for the second straight year here. Taking on Yuri Lahetchka, Martina. The Czech hadn't won a main draw match at a major before this week. What a run. Yeah, yeah, Felix. Uh, Felix started well, got that first break uh, and his first set. Uh, Lahechka gets right back, gets the break in the second set, and then sets three and four go in the tie break. Lahechka, remember that name, Yuri Lahechka. You're gonna be saying it a lot. This guy is the total package, and he played the bigger points better than Felix. Was getting to the net more, making him move. The net, winning 80 percent of the points at the net. 
Whereas Felix is below 500 uh, on that front, and uh, you see why. As Lehechka plays a smart no pass, but set up the next shot, gets the third match point, three match points here, and uh, wins the match. Just uh, outplayed, really, uh, FA. And I think where Felix can improve is that coming to the net and hitting those volleys. They were not sticking, and he paid the price. Meantime, Sebi Korda coming off that huge win over Daniil Medvedev. Lindsay hoping to back it up against Hubie Hercotch. Uh, this was a thriller. Yeah, and he struggled early on with his energy level, with the conditions. Had finished so late against Medvedev and now playing during the day. But things clicked in for Sebi midway through that second set. He got a little bit more energy and he got more aggressive. And that really helped spark him. He also started, the crowd started to get more involved. And all of a sudden, it was Sebi's match played on his racket. That's when he plays his best. Hercotch, who served well during this match, was left having to defend. Sebi kept up that momentum in the third set, but early in the fourth, it was Hercotch who started to get more aggressive. We were going five. Let's go all the way. Let's just fast forward to the breaker. And it was back and forth in this breaker. Hercotch got up 3-1 before Sebi reeled off six points in a row. Ends up getting through a very long match point, but this so far... What a sensational win for Korda. Just a money shot. Trust your best shot in the biggest moments. First time into the final eight of a major for Sebi Korda. The first set, you couldn't find that form, but the second and third, you were able to turn it around. How did you kind of get your, uh, your game going in this match after a slow start? Yeah, I just tried to uh, stay as calm as I possibly could as... Uh, it was a late night, the, the match before, and kind of just coming out here, you know, playing today during condition, uh, different conditions. So it's, uh, it was difficult, but, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with the way I kind of just stayed down, kept going through it, and, uh, and, yeah, the outcome was great. Just the third American man to reach the quarterfinals in Melbourne since our own Andy Roddick. Lehechka also in the final eight for the first time. Sitsipas won in three sets in Rotterdam last February against him. Court actually leads Hatchin up, John, but lost that Wimbledon thriller a, a couple years ago. Of these four, who do you have the most faith in moving on? I think you got to go with Sitsipas, who has played deep in this event before. I also think on that first match, those guys are going to really beat each other up. If Sitsipas can cruise again, straight sets as he has in three of his four matches, he's looking really good in that quarter. Same question to you, Martina. I don't think Tsitsipas cruises. I think he will win against Lahedjka, but I think it's going to be a tight one. And then again, it could be another tight uh, quarterfinal or semifinal, rather. So I think it's anybody's ballgame at this stage of the game. But uh, yeah, Tsitsipas, top seed, the highest seed there. He should get through. But um, yeah, I think Lahedjka could get in trouble. Okay, Steve, I'm not sitting on the fence here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think Sitsipas gets through. Never lost to any of those oh, players okay. on his part of the draw. I think it's Sitsipas quarter, quarterfinal to go all the way through. Yeah. Semi to go through. Okay. A semi final. Yeah, exactly. You From moved, a quarter final your, uh, to a semi final. You moved your Uber coordinates. You're off the fence now. Yeah, I'm not for this one. I'm not sure. I still <laughs> got to think about that women's. All right. Not sure on that. All three. Draw. Clean sweep, though, for uh, <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas there. Uh, more quarterfinal spots on the line today. we got Novak Djokovic in action against the Aussie Alex Dimonor. John uh, Novak has been saying that it's a roller coaster, that hamstring injury. He, he has concerns of his own. He's worried. What, what's your level of concern? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know. And you don't know how much of this is a player being admirably honest about, listen, I'm compromised. We don't know how much of this is strategic. The hamstring is the X factor. Otherwise, I'm not sure Dimonor has a lot to hurt Novak with, especially best of five sets. But this is a player. He'll make you hit a lot of balls. He'll run you around. I mean, if Novak's hamstring is 
half as bad as people fear, this could be a really ugly match. Yeah, and we were just talking about that with Goff and Ostapenko. Goff didn't make it a physical match. That is number one for Demonar. How do I make every rally as long as possible? The one challenge for Demonar, he doesn't get a lot of free points on his serve. And so Novak, with his great return, even if he's not moving great, kind of feels like, okay, I can break this guy every time. I'm going to move in here. Uh, I think it's going to be a very physical battle. I, th I think Novak gets through just on the lack of one humongous weapon for Demonar, but I think it's going to wear Novak out for the later rounds. Can I ask you guys a question? So, so Demonor has played, he played a qualifier, he played, you know, Manorino, Marty, he's played, uh, you know, he had Benjamin Bonsai, a real step up in his next match against Novak. Would, would you rather sort of ease your way into a match like that and just suddenly take on a nine-time champion, or, or would you like to sort of see your competition get you to a point where you're ready to face him? <sighs> Well, look, uh, it, you want to be playing well. You don't want to just squeak through, but you want to be pushed at the same time. But you want to be pushed because the opponent's playing well, not because you're playing lousy. So you just want to kind of progress. But uh, clearly something, the, 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 the hamstring is a real deal because otherwise Novak would be playing on those days off. So he is definitely nursing it. But maybe it's not gotten any worse. Deminar has got to make a move, as Lindsay said, and, and he can do that, but he's going to have to take time away from, from Novak, either hit the ball harder or hit or change direction earlier in the rally than he maybe wants to, just to make a move. But, uh, yeah, Novak, you've got you to gotta beat him. He's not going to give it to you. He's the only player left on the men's side that has won a major title, and he's won 21 of them, so uh, pretty decent. Uh, back to the ladies, Martina Karolina Pliskova. Uh, back and better than ever. How about this? She's back with her old coach, Sasha Bain, former world number one, and now take she hasn't, she hasn't dropped a set. She's taken on uh, Zhang Shui, who she's 7-0 and against. Is Karolina Pliskova a real threat to win the title here? Uh, I hope she wins. I would so dearly want her to win a major because she is probably the best player that has never won it so far in, in women's tennis. But I've been picking her so many times and she never won. So I'm not going to pick her, but I do want her to win. I, I think she can, but I'm not going to pick her. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sitting on the fence yeah. there. Uh, Donna Vekic is working yeah. with our colleague Pam Schreiber. Yeah. It's paying dividends. Says for the first time in her life, she truly believes she can win a Grand Slam. Oh. Do you believe it? Wow. No, I think I need to see a little bit more. Okay. Um, Got to see a player get into a semi for the first time or even play a Grand Slam final for the first time to know if they really can handle that occasion. Donna Vekic doesn't have any experience that late in a major. The pressure is on her today, though, against 17-year-old Fruvertova. Fruvertova plays great. This is a match that if you think you're ready to win slams, you've got to handle. Mm. You cannot feel the pressure of playing someone younger. You've got to go out there as the veteran and dominate. We'll see a lot about Donna after today's match. One of those matches where for both sides of the net, you could say, boy, you couldn't ask for much more to go play in a quarterfinal. Uh, can you believe Vekic is almost a decade older than Fruvertova? Remember when she was sort of like yesterday when Donna Vekic was this, this prospect to keep an eye on? 26 years old now. Big opportunity for her. 26. I'm still going to say it's very young, Martina. But how, how, do, you, how do you see this matchup? I tell you, look look how much difference a coach can make. Maybe Donna Vekic was she had hired Pam Schreiber like 10 years ago, but better late than later. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how much difference really Pam can make. I think she's really improved her shot selection and understanding of the game, but most of all, I think between the ears, where Donna Vekic mm. has not been, that's not been a strike, strong point. She hits the ball well, but has gone away a little bit, and I think Pam put that belief in her and that intensity, and it paid off right away. We'll see. This is the test for her. She, she's kind of the favorite to win this match, at the same time, Fruvertova has nothing to lose. 
so it'll be interesting how she handles it. But I'm glad that she thinks that she can win because if you think you can, then you then you can. If you don't think you can, you will not. So it's good, good deal. Well done, Pam. See, there, there you go. Absolutely. By the way, Fruvertova would be the youngest woman to reach the quarterfinals here since Martina Hingis won it all back in 1998. Well, we are leading you up to first ball, as always, on TC Live. And there is the Wolfman himself, J.J. Wolf, former Buckeye, getting ready for an old-school college tennis battle against Ben Shelton. We're up in the hometown, Cincinnati. I thought that was a trucker hat, but it uh, looks like reds, huh? Welcome back. The WTA is celebrating its golden anniversary this year. And in the past 50 years, they've gone from $1 contracts to Naomi Osaka earning more than $50 million in one year. We will have a new feature every month to salute the women who broke barriers to make the WTA what it is today. Hello, I'm Leslie Allen. Welcome to Tennis Channel's presentation of a new year-long series, 50 Years of the WTA. Yes, 2023 marks the WTA's golden anniversary. Over the course of the next 12 months, we're going to tell you the great stories that have made tennis the world's preeminent professional sport for women. If I may, let me take a moment to tell you that I have a significant personal investment in the WTA history. As a child in the early 70s, I closely watched the emergence of women's pro tennis and dreamed of becoming a pro. That dream came true. I competed on the WTA Tour for more than a decade and became a top player. As you might imagine, I know lots about these stories, but far from everything. So naturally, I'm excited to be your host. Let's start at the beginning. The creation of the Women's Pro Tour. It was the summer of 1970. Well, from 68 to 70, we just had less and less. We had less places to compete. They were dropping women's tournaments. We were making anywhere from probably eight to one ratio of money. The writing was on the wall. Things were just going to go away for us. For the renegade women to make a successful go of it at pro tennis, they'd need vision, moxie, and money. Fortunately, there was one tennis-loving woman who emphatically personified all three. Her name was Gladys Heldman. My mother came up with an idea that in order to protect the players, they had to become what was called contract pros. And that meant they signed an agreement with her, a contract, for one dollar. As she's telling her everybody this, she says, oh, by the way, I'm bringing in a sponsor. Sponsor is Virginia Slims, and they became the sponsor for the women's tennis for a good 15 years. Gladys was a dynamo. The gumption she had to get the, the women's tour started in 1970 and signing up the original nine. I don't think I've ever met anybody quite like her in the industry. Week after week in cities all over the United States, from Milwaukee to Las Vegas, New York to Long Beach, and many more, players worked round the clock to promote their new tour, doing everything from recruiting media to handing out flyers on the street and tickets in parking lots, giving clinics and attending sponsor functions. And let's remember, these were professional athletes who did all of this while competing. It was hectic draining, uncertain, just a wild 24-7 life. 
but it was also empowering and necessary to build the brand. I had the chance to spend some time with the original nine in 2021 when they became the first group to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. And I'll never forget Billie Jean King walking through the museum and just sort of talking to the group of us who were following them on their tour. And she said, society tells us that women can't work together. And we were proof that that wasn't true. I just always think, you know, we did it. We had the guts and the courage. No matter what happened, if we'd never get to play again, if we'd never get to play again, it didn't matter. It was for the future generations. I'm glad to be a member and part of WTA, an organization I would say that was one of the first to fight for equal rights and equal pay for women, starting with the original nine. By the end of 1971, it was clear that the women's professional tour was credible, compelling, and viable. For Tennis Channel, I'm Leslie Allen. Thank you, Leslie. A lot has happened in 50 years. Uh, what stood out to you from that piece, Lindsay? Oh, everything. Um, you, you know, everything I always feel like that maybe I would have achieved or everything that I have is really due to Billie Jean and everything that she was willing to fight for, everything that she was willing to sacrifice. There's a lot of stories I didn't really know growing up. And remember, I first spent time with Billie when I was 18, 19, when she took over the Fed Cup team, what it was called then, for the U.S., and all her stories, and she was like, wait a second, you, you sit down. <laughs> you have no idea why you're here or how you are here. Um, and to hear about her and everything that they had to go through in the beginning to be able to just play tournaments, to just be paid. And, um, you know, certain personalities come along and they're willing to take risks and they're willing to fight. And women's tennis was never more lucky than to have Billie Jean choose tennis and choose the fight for everybody that's playing tennis now. It's just a beautiful piece works up so many different emotions, but I think of all the young superstars that are coming up now, and it's that old adage, you, you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. <laughs> it just, it gives you such a perspective on what it took to actually get you here, and I think that makes you feel part of something bigger than just yourself, and that's a very special feeling. And on the other hand, you look at Billy, and you know, so many people after they, they finish the sport, you know, they, they move on to completely separate lives. And she's just continued to just give and give and give to the sport long after she's stepped off the actual court playing. It's, a, it's just an inspiration. How special, John, is it that on the 50th anniversary we have the United Cup, the first real men's and women's mixed true team tour level event? which is very consistent with something Billie Jean King has said for years, very rightly, that tennis's great asset is one plus one is more than three, and men and women competing together. And, you know, the pick your sport, whether it's basketball, golf, you don't have this sort of symmetry with men and women the way you do in tennis. We think nothing of it. We do a highlight, and we go from Sitsipas to Pagula, and nobody thinks twice. That's a real asset for tennis. The United Cup is such a nice addition to the calendar, and it really, really encapsulates that. The Golden Jubilee continues, and we will have a new WTA 50th anniversary feature every month here on Tennis Channel with Leslie Allen. Looking forward to those and the next one coming up in February. Coming up next on TC Live, our good friend Chris Eubanks on the verge of the top 100 joins us coming off that trip from Melbourne. Welcome back 
day eight of the 2023 Australian Open. Final spots in the final eight of for grabs today. Featured matches in Melbourne Park. Starting with that blockbuster on Rod Laver Arena between Arena Sabalenka and Belinda Bencic. Tommy Paul on Margaret Court today to face Roberto Bautista Agut. Got that All-American, All-College tennis matchup of Ben Shelton and J.J. Wolf on John Kane Arena. Novak Djokovic headlining the night session on Rod Laver. Stephen Prakash back with you here at the desk. And we are so happy to welcome in our colleague, Chris Eubanks. Big Banks in the house just getting back <laughs> from Australia to the U.S. Coming off your first win at the Australian Open, Chris. Congratulations. It was so much fun to watch you over there. What was your experience like in Melbourne? Uh, Melbourne was great. Melbourne is a city that I've always been extremely fond of. The first time I was able to qualify into a Grand Slam, it was in Melbourne. I followed that up the next year by qualifying in again. Uh, but losing in the first round those two times, I really wanted to try to get the first Grand Slam win in Melbourne under my belt. I was happy to get the first one in general under the belt in this US, the past U.S. Open. But to be able to come down and play extremely well in Melbourne, my first year not having to play qualifying, so... Showing up knowing I was going to be in the main draw, had a tough first round against Sun Wu Kwan, who had just taken the title in Adelaide, but was able to prevail in five, playing some really good ball all around. I think you can see the relief on my face uh, as, as I walked to the net. Uh, but no, it was, it was a good trip all around, and I'm, I'm overall pleased with my level and how I played and how I competed. Chris, you and I had a chance to chat a little bit last year, and you talked about how at this stage in your career, this is the most hungry that you've been and the most committed that you've been. What changes would you say you've made from perhaps a little earlier in your career when you weren't as locked in? Uh, I think for me, it's just being a, doing a better job about the, the smaller things, the, the prehab and rehabbing, you know, warm up, cool downs, the making sure I'm falling asleep at the, you know, a similar time, like all the little things. I always felt like I did a good job on court. I love being on court. I love being in the gym. But for me, it was the areas outside of that, being on the training table, getting treatment when nothing feels like it's wrong, getting the added massages. Just because over time, those little things just kind of add up to 1% here, 2% there. You know, those margins are so slim in tennis. You know, those could be the result of winning a first round in a grand slam, advancing to the third round, or maybe losing first or second round qualifying. So just kind of wanting to check all the boxes, make sure that I felt like I was doing all the right things. And I think... I'm kind of hitting that point now where I see the benefits of it, so I know for a fact I'm going to continue to do so. Well, you know, we love seeing it. Hope the trajectory continues going this way. We know you're good friends with uh, our American superstar, Coco Goff. We thought there might be a chance here to be able to grab that first slam, especially with Iga going out. Lost a tough one to Ostapenko. Where do you put uh, this as far as a ding on her path to getting that first Grand Slam? Uh... I, like a lot of other people, I well, I had the pleasure of being able to train with her some in the offseason, and I, like a lot of other people, said I think this could be the year because she's playing some of the best ball that I've ever seen. We're practicing, play, drilling. Her backhand is looking as good as it's ever looked. Her movement has been exceptional. Like She's been playing just such an all-around game, so to see her go out yesterday at Austin Pank on straight sets was a bit of a shock, but I, I made it a point to go and watch the match. Once I saw the score, I said, you know what, let me watch some of this. I think I tuned in around second set time. From what I saw, there just really wasn't that much that she could do. Ostapenko is a player that when she's playing well, she can beat anybody in the world because of the way that she can strike the ball so clean. She was going corner to corner, just redirecting balls like crazy. And she's just kind of that dangerous player. She's the outlier that no player, no matter how good their form is at the time, wants to see her in their side of the draw. Yesterday, I think, was a day in which she came out and played extremely well. 
I don't think there's anything for Coco to hang her head at. I think that she's been playing some really good ball. I mean, yesterday was the first time she had dropped a set all year, taking the title in Auckland. So she's playing well. I think she knows that she's playing well. Her confidence, I hope, stays extremely high because if she continues to produce the level that she's been producing so far this year, there's no doubt in my mind she's going to have some very big results very soon. And if you believe social media, Chris, she's beaten you in practice a few times, right? <laughs> no lies. Well, you can't believe everything you read on social media. Let's oh, just, oh, she's let's go ahead and start right. there. <laughs> what, 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 what I will say, what I will, I will say that uh, when the serve isn't in play, she's a tough out. Okay, I okay. can tell you that when 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 we're, when we're going at it first ball cross court, man, I I can't I got to be honest. She she'll take me down in a few baseline games. I'm not ashamed to say it. She's been playing really, really well from the crowd. So when we get to serve in there, that's when I like to take the ownership of myself and try to disrupt her rhythm a little bit. But first ball cross, that girl is absolutely tough. <laughs> she, she, she took Francis out as well. She did. That, that ground she stroke did. rally in the yeah. EXO. So I, I believe it, Chris. <laughs> uh, we're here with Chris Eubanks at his career high right now, right around 100 in the world. Chris, you put out on Twitter uh, before the Australian Open a crazy travel experience that you went through going from India to New Zealand. W what happened? <laughs> oh, man, I see if I can shorten this one down. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, in short, I, we got to India, and when it came time to leave from India to go to uh, New Zealand, we said, all right, let's book the next flight. Had some trouble finding the, the right flight. It's weird. They were on third-party websites, but I couldn't book uh, the ticket directly to the airline's website. So that was already kind of a bit of a red flag, but I was able to get through, book the ticket, having to switch or have two layovers is something I'm not quite used to. I'm usually one layover max, a lot of times no layover. So kind of worried about the bags, but... We're, we're going to get through it. So we check our bags at the airport. They're having a little bit of trouble understanding how many bags we're allowed to check. And eventually we got through that. We fly to, um, I believe there's another city in India, a large city. Prakash, help me, Bengaluru. Bengaluru, Bengaluru. yep. Used to be Bangalore. Yep. Yeah, so, yep. Yeah, we, so we flew there, uh, got to, you know, rest. We landed. We found out that the next flight we were supposed to take was now delayed eight hours. So we said, well, that's a, that's a little bit longer than we expected. So... We go, we find a way to get into an airport lounge just to kill some time. We then take the flight uh, from Bengaluru to Sydney, and that flight might have been the most uncomfortable flight I've ever had. There were, I think I put in my tweet, there were babies yelling, and all of them wanted to yell at the same time. I had a massive headache on the plane, and it was really, really starting to get to me. And, and I said that for about six, six of that 12-hour flight, I just sat there and tried to close my eyes and just try to get through it. It was, it was miserable, and then we land from... Sydney, uh, or land in Sydney to go to Auckland. They carry through my my tennis string, my bag, and they, they confiscate four brand new reels of string for me because uh, apparently that's viewed as a weapon, which I didn't know. I spoke with other tennis players; they did tell me that after the fact. So it's good to know if you're traveling, any players traveling to Australia, take your string out of your bag and check it. And then went from after that, went from there to Auckland, <laughs> where two of our bags did not show up. So. For me, luckily, the bags that did show up were my tennis rackets and my suitcase containing my contact lenses. All of my tennis clothes were gone. No draws. And the best part about the story. No draws. All of it, no draws. No GTD. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, yeah, that, that made the trip a little bit rough, but I was able to kind of get to Auckland, play well, and continue to start the year on the right foot. The, the life of a tennis player. I mean, that's...
That's wild. That's rough. Uh, best well, part, well, best part, leaving Auckland, we got our bags back 10 minutes before the, uh, we left for the airport. So all is well. It all worked out. Uh, great job, Chris, out there. And uh, it's good to have you back. Looking forward to having you back right here yep. on the desk and in I the look studio. Forward to it, guys. I'm, I'm loving the matching ties. Prakash and Steve decided to coordinate today and go pink ties. Come on now. Prakash, Come on you got to tell me, what's your cheat meal of the day? Come on, give it to me. Hey, we going Big Burger tonight, see? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it as always. Here is what is coming up every day. It's not just week one. Week two, we got TC Live, 5 o'clock Eastern, encore coverage in the morning. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Three years ago, Christina Mladenovic and Tamea Babos took the doubles title in Melbourne. They didn't drop a set all tournament, only gave up three games in the final. This is one of four Grand Slam doubles titles for the dynamic duo. Two in Australia, two in France. Well, facing Storm Hunter and Elisa Mertens this year, Prakash. Mertens won this title in 2021 with Arena Sabalenka. Storm has won mixed title at the U.S. Open to her name. She also has one of the greatest names. Yeah, they, they put in a very good performance today. You can see both of them there in the blue. Storm Hunter serving. Tricky lefty, brilliant hands she's got. Good feel for the doubles game as well. Is able to find opening sets her partner up nicely as well. Elise Mertens, former world number one in doubles, as she brings a ton of experience to the table. A couple of break points here early. Storm able to find that backhand up the line. Perhaps a little bit early on the movement from Babos. And they're able to get the win done. Not easy. Babos and Ludenovic, big hitters. But when they're not going in, errors can come fast and furious. And we'll be showing even more doubles throughout uh, the coming days here as we continue our coverage of the Australian Open. We've got that, that one team that we've got our eyes on, Coco and, and Jesse. They've been to a... A final before, looking yep. to get all the way. And they're so solid. They've played so well together. And, and I think Coco and her disappointment sometimes is a silver lining mm -hmm. to be able to still go out on court and try and win a Grand Slam title. I think that will help Coco to move on from that loss. It's also one of the things that it's helped their singles game so much. Yeah, you right. get to work on so many different shots and doubles from returns with specific targets to your net game to just different types of coverage. And it's, it's a practice where you can practice pressure as well, yes. which you can't exactly practice on the practice court. Well, and for the third seed who's seeking her, uh, her first major, who is the highest remaining seed, Jesse Pagula, uh, must be really nice on your off day to play doubles. Yeah. You don't have, you, exactly, you get to simulate pressure-filled situations. You don't have to go to a conventional practice. Coco talked about it after the loss. Yes, it helps that I can still get out of here with a trophy. I can still play a match tomorrow, but I think it helps Pagula, the player still in the singles draw, just as much. She was asked that in an on-court interview mm -hmm. about, you must really not want to practice. Yeah. She said, honestly, no. <laughs> no. I would rather go out and play matches. And I think that's just it, the pressure. And for a player who maybe feels like they didn't play their best on the big points, let's just say Coco, go out there and have break point. Try and do something different right. with the return. Doubles gives you that opportunity to work on things See, oh, maybe I'll try and return and come in here. And a lot of times that then segues over to the singles court. Jesse waiting on Victoria Azarenka as we get back to highlights from yesterday. The two-time champ going for the Aussie Open hat trick has won 
45 matches in Melbourne. Before this year, Zhu Lin had only won two Lindsay. Yeah, can we talk curfew again? Yeah. It came up again Look last night. Ended up finishing at 2.16 a.m. These two followed the four-hour Sinner and Tsitsipas match. And these two would then play two hours and 41 minutes. But credit Zhu in the beginning. She was ready to go. And she was absolutely crushing ground strokes, catching Vika a little bit off guard. But Azarenka used all her experience in this match, turned the match in the second set, and then this was back and forth in the third set. A lot of hard ground strokes from Zhu, but Azarenka found her depth. That was not there in the beginning of this match. She fought all the way to the end and really came up with a huge win to get through. Said it was two hours, 40-plus minutes of complete pressure, point-by-point point, momentum shifts. There was everything in this match into her sixth quarterfinal in Melbourne. See if she can win her third title there. Uh, John, yesterday I said Corinne Hatchinoff should be a top ten player. You said Yoshi Nishioka would get the upset. I'm not saying I was right, but I was he like, I was like really right. Nishioka brought it. He won two points in the second set. Uh, yeah, if we have schedule backlog as an issue yesterday, it wasn't because of this match. Uh, this was a weird one. Love and love. Thought we might see a triple bagel. Look at this. Two points in one set. Second like um, worth time picked me. What the? And then this got really interesting. Uh, where it's five all here. Nishioka sort of woke up, found some spots. Um, like you can see, uh, this guy's like 46 going on 26. This is the oldest 26-year-old in tennis, Hachinov, but uh, played like a veteran. Still in the this, shade. This could have gotten really tight, though. Imagine love and love, and you lost that tiebreaker. This could have been a really tricky match. Closes it out in a breaker. Not a scoreline you see every day. Six love, six love, seven six. Hachinov has now advanced to the quarterfinals of all four Grand Slams. 50th man in the open era to do that. Congratulations. As we take a look at the Yonex tournament summary, Prakash. What stands out to you the most? Well, look, last time Ostapenko made it this far, she took the title, but it's hard not to keep your eyes on the Americans. Sebastian Corda and Jesse Bagula playing fantastic tennis. Sebastian kind of announcing himself here, and Jesse looking like possibly the favorite. Bring this title home back to America. That's right. Uh, Lindsay sent us a group text. Uh, I think Nishioka's oh, two points in one set? Yeah, Is that what crazy watching that. Second. He was actually lucky to get the second point. Oh, no. Following that, I've never seen anything like it. How Are we surprised either the last two Americans? There's still opportunities for two more. And we're guaranteed one, yeah. at least, with J.J. and Ben. No, no, I know, but I mean, coming through their parts of the draw. I, I thought it was going to be golf. Yeah. I really did. Mm. Yeah, I think Seb's a little bit of a surprise to come through there. Medvedev in there. This guy's a surprise to a lot of folks. Ben Shelton could make a quarterfinal. Not to us here. No, well, <laughs> not surprised at all for a quarterfinal. We'll talk about it next. Prakash, Lindsay, John, Steve, back with you on TC Live. You will see us once again tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, every day, 15 straight. Encore coverage in the morning with Brett and Paul at 7 a.m. Eastern. We got you covered here on Tennis Channel. Well, he has called it a pinch-me moment. At this time last year, Ben Shelton was ranked near 600 in the world, playing number three singles at the University of Florida. Now he is in the fourth round of the Australian Open with a chance to crack the top 50. The 20-year-old is embracing this moment. His smile and energy absolutely infectious. It is our tennis topic today. How big of a phenomenon has Ben Shelton become, John? 
Yeah, and I, I think we were talking about this yesterday. I mean, the fact that this breakthrough has come in Australia is a bit of a disguise. You know, if it were at the U.S. Open, it would be a completely different storyline, and Good Morning America would want him in the morning. And it's a little bit under the radar, but it's still a major. He's still making some noise. I mean, what a trip. And I also think that... You know, how do you prepare to play against this guy? He, nobody's seen him play before. He has sort of that, that lefty funk, and he's intense, but he's also joyous. He's got some <laughs> real maturity, but he also plays like he's got this, this kid's energy. I got to think he's, even for J.J. Wolf, who knows him as well as anyone, I got to think he's really at the tricky opponent stage because no one really has prepared for him. Yeah, I think it's the energy, right? I mean, he just brings it. He wasn't afraid to bring it against Popperin with the whole crowd really for his opponent. And he still went out there and behaved and played like it was any old match. And it was the biggest match of his young career so far. First saw him play when he was able to clinch the NC2As for University of Florida, where his dad was a coach. That was very emotional if you were sitting there watching that. A year later then, he's able to win the individuals. I mean, every single year, he's getting better and better, handling different occasions and pressure-packed situations as well. The sky's the limit for him, and, and he's been going like this. At some point, the game has to kind of even a little bit before it goes back up again, but hasn't done that yet. Everything, every time we see him, he's better. You know what's been really cool is you, you see a lot of athletes in other sports, basketball and so forth, they're, they're always repping their college that they went to when they get into the pros. Tennis, you haven't seen that as much because players haven't played in college as much. But now, of course, over the last 10, 15 years, you're seeing more and more go to college. And Ben, again, one of the ones who can really get to possibly the top of the game, who is, is repping his college, making it a cool thing to go develop your game in college, go develop your personality there. He's still watching the Gators play, even when he's in Australia. I kind of love that. And I think it's a great thing for players to be able to go develop before they come on tour because you just have to deal with so much. Uh, added bonus to Ben Shelton uh, uh, skyrocketing up. Right. Absolutely. Spoken from a, a former Trojan All-American right there, Prakash Amitraj. Uh, listen, this guy is doing things in such a short period of time. Incredible. Two years ago, unranked. Start of last year, as I mentioned, not even playing number one or two singles for Florida. Currently at 65, can get inside the top 50 with the win. He's the first NCAA men's singles champ to make the fourth round at the following year's Aussie Open since Dan Goldie back in 1987. I mean, uh, th these are things we haven't seen in a long time. The rise rankings, I mean, it happens when you do it at a major, right? You just you leapfrog. Yeah, and I, I mean, that. there's obviously so many points then at, at the majors and then the Masters 1000s, and he wasn't playing those early on. But what you also have to love about him is he's mastered every level. This mm -hmm. wasn't someone who just went out and got a wild card at the Indian Wells in Miami and got his points. I mean, he's been on the Challenger yeah. Tour. Even this wild card, he almost, he earned it, and they ended up getting in on his ranking because he played so well last fall. I mean, he is willing to put the work in. He's willing to grind. And, I mean, how about, I was floored in December when I heard he had never been out of the country. As Coach Dean Goldfein told me, no, no, we're going to Australia. You know, he's never used his passport. Like, that's impossible. But when he was coming up the junior ranks, when he really started to get into tennis, COVID hit. And the year that maybe he would have gone and traveled to play some tournaments didn't happen. He stayed home in Florida, continued to develop his game. And to be able to experience this your first time abroad, that's pretty amazing. And that, that ranking... He will pretty much be able to get into any event he wants now. Doesn't have to worry about wild cards. Doesn't have to worry about qualifying. That will help him set a schedule. Dad not there? We know Peter Corda wasn't there. He was on, uh, he was on a golf course. Yeah, they were, they were playing yesterday. I mean, <laughs> That's what ben happened. Ben was watching yeah. the match. So, yeah. so imagine you're 
coaching your college team uh, and, and your son is playing into the second week of a major. No, this, this rise has really been something. And if he comes out of here anywhere close to the top 50, he's not defending points until Cincinnati. I mean, he's really in great shape as this year gets going. What's really cool is also there's so much unknown about him because he hasn't been on the tour and he doesn't have a lot of baggage on him. I mean, the best thing we know about him is how clutch he was in college. I mean, watching him clinch and being able to bring the title home there, and you get a good look at it here. The guy, he, he seems to really relish in those big moments. So even though this is a spot where he hasn't necessarily been, there's no reason why he can't perform. Florida, Ohio State. I mean, this is a big-time college match coming up today. Ben Shelton and J.J. Wolf. The fact that it is J.J. Wolf, uh, is that good or bad for Ben? Uh, I think it's I, I, I think it's fine for J.J. Wolf. He's not going to be caught off guard by anything. He knows exactly what he's getting into. Uh, it, these guys have a long history. I think that is advantage for Wolf. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you get to this stage of a tournament with really big prizes, and it doesn't hurt to know your opponent as well as these to know each other. I'm going to lean towards the lefty, getting the, yeah, get really? the W today. Yeah, right. uh, JJ, you know, he has a bit more experience at this level, but just some, some little feistiness going on with Ben. It could just be a gut feeling, and he's just he's putting a lot of things together. He looked good at the net, serving volleying, serving massive, hitting yeah. that forehand big. It's a... It's a good feeling, but, you know, you hear it here. Go, go with <laughs> Listen, I, I brought up yesterday 2007 BCS National Championship. Florida beat Ohio State. Our, our colleague from the, the fine Hoosier State that same year. Yeah, Basketball right, right. National Championship. Was, uh, Florida. Noah's son. Hey, Final Hi. Four MVP, I'll have you know. That's so, right. A uh, little, little symmetry there between these two college players. Great to see college tennis. So Absolutely. Event. Big shout out to the ITA College Tennis producing champions. One of them is going to be quarterfinalists. Still to come, our Bet365 match preview has the line on Rublev and Runa. Plus, we'll break down all the big stories of the day. And we go off the wall with John Wertheim to get his pick on which woman will win it all. Could it be Belinda Bencic? Did not know she had that. Oh, well, that's still pretty talented either way. Back after this. <laughs> Welcome back to TC Live. A reminder to play the Match Point Predictor game from Tennis Channel. Answer questions correctly about what will happen in Melbourne for a chance to win great prizes totaling $4,500. To enter, use that QR code on your screen or go to tennis.com slash play. Play ends today, so get those picks in. Stephen John, back with you. We're going off the wall once again. And you answered the question yesterday, who's going to be the men's champion? You said either Novak Djokovic or Holger Runa. Today, the question is, who will be your women's champion? Oh, I won't even give you an either or. I okay. will be uh, definitive. There is one American left in the tournament. That's Jesse Pagula. Top seed, Iga Svantec, out. Second seed, Anstruber, out. Coco Goff, out. I'm going with Jesse Pagula. She's playing well, hasn't dropped a set, highest remaining seed. And she just has that look. I deserve to be here. I deserve to play up to my seating. This is an opportunity for me. I say she takes it. Takes the singles title. How about the doubles? She's still in that exactly. as well with Coco Golf. We haven't had a double winner since French Open 2021, Barbara. That's right. That would happened. be something. That's, a, that's um, actually a preview of a stat of the day, man. And Jesse Pagula actually seated higher in doubles. Number two than she is in singles. That's number right. three. Good for her. If she pulled off that double, that would be that's a heck of a way to start the year. It, it certainly would be. All right, Jesse Pagula is John's pick. We are getting closer to the start of day eight. First ball coming up not too far from now. All the top stories straight ahead on TC Live with John, Martina, and Lindsay next.
Back on TC Live, in comes Andre Rublev, the five seed, getting ready for his round of 16 matchup. He's taking on Holger Runa. Both these guys, former junior number ones, junior Roland Garros champions. And here they are, meeting for the second time. Played last year in the Paris Masters. Runa took out Rublev, one of those five top guys on his way to the title there. Our bet, 3-6-5 match preview. Ooh, how about this, John? Runa, the lower seed, is favor. I think that's right. Uh, he won their only head-to-head -head match. He's had more momentum coming into this match. I, I like Holgerun to win this match. And uh, <laughs> no, what do you think? Five sets? I, I take that. No, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence on that one. Steve, Steve, <laughs> I'll give it to you. You can borrow mine. You know I like Andre. Yep. We, we did some tequila at the U.S. Open. TC blasted that everywhere. That was a lot of fun. But yeah. Runa's, he, he's got that dog in him big yeah. time. You know, he, he's, he, the way he came out in Paris, five top ten players, just not really feeling like he was the underdog. And the way he doesn't mind getting in his opponent's face, I just, I like him in this match. And Rublev has shown a bit more frustration so far. I don't think he's played his best tennis so far at the Aussie Open. Runa's looked pretty great right from the get-go. I like him coming through. I don't know about five. I think yeah. maybe, maybe four sets. We'll stay on the fence but over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy that. Sometimes, Enjoy though, that. a player, it, like, you have to pull it out of them, right? That that dog, as you're talking about. Yeah. Could that be for Rublev playing someone like Runa, who's, like, coming up, yeah, playing really true. feisty? Does yeah. that channel something inside Rublev mm. that we haven't seen in a lot of big matches at majors? Let's, let's look for... Generational tension. Sometimes they can do it. You like never that. know what kind of sparks a player. And maybe this is something that would help push Andre to play his best tennis now, second week's of majors. Love to see him. We'll see. You, you got Lindsay to say, the dog. Is I, 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 That's I, a win for the I show. I was on the phone the about that one. <laughs> uh, Americans have been doing oh so well down oh, under. No, no. Yeah. So well down under. How about Jagger Leach, Lindsay? Just won his second uh, straight junior yeah. event in New Zealand. There's uh, Papa John there leading the charge. John. Family is it. missing them. I can oh. say that. But look at my hubby. Doesn't he look good? Hubby's looking great. <laughs> Hubby's looking great. What are you, what are you feeding him? Why, why, how is he so big? Yeah. Kid looks great. Yeah, he's, he's grinding. Like that. That's a so, cool trophy. Too. Yeah. So I got one more. So look we're going to look mantle. looking to make it back to back to back. back. You'll need a new hat. Come on, man. We'll be celebrating that next Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jagger Leach is locked Got in, it. just like the Americans. Love <laughs> that. Trying to be. Great stuff, Jag. Two straight titles down there. J.J. Wolf, he's coming up against Ben Shelton. Man, the goatee, the flow. Impressive. We'll preview it next. Welcome back. All right, it's my favorite uh, segment of the show, John. Stop it. Go for it. So look at this. We know uh, Novak Djokovic versus the field. 21 majors to none. Um, all 21 to Novak. But look at this as well. This is Novak's career prize money versus all the remaining mm. men combined. Talk about income inequality. He has almost doubled the remaining 11 players. That is indicative of a lot of tennis success. Wow. 165 million. That's wild. I mean, none of them have won a major yet. He's won 21. That happens. Crazy. But that's... No idea it was 164 million. Hot shot of the day, Prakash. All right. Now, this is 101, how you dive. Nico Barrientos <laughs> in the forecourt. You can see here, oh, on layout. And look, you're going to get a replay of this. Not only does he lay out, but brilliant left-hand usage to block the fall. Oh, wow. He stopped, tucks. 
10 rolls, leads over on the right shoulder. There is a form to this. And do you see the score? This is 6-5. Come on. If the ball came back, my guy was ready. And listen, your boy knows a little something about diving. Because I did a little some of that back in you the day. You did it on Wait, grass, that's though. That's grass. a hard yeah. court. Where's your left hand, though? Is it going well, to help? I fell flat on my testicles <laughs> there. It, the form wasn't as good, but, you know, it, 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 that, that, that's no, straight uh... horizontal, you know. That's, that's insane. That's he, shot of the year. Ready to that's play shot the of the year. Point. I mean, there's shot no the no band-aids needed. He was ready to hit the next no, ball. No, he tucked and rolled. He got oh. up in a second. That was brilliant. Oh, this isn't like Lauren Leach on, on the beach volleyball court. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, that's, impr- that's amazing. I didn't that, see that. I, Thank you for that, my, my favorite shot when someone does that in tennis. I love it. I, I have, also haven't seen that not at the net. Dude was near the baseline. Yeah. Wow. All right, featured matches today. Thanks. <laughs> Really, really tough to, to, to come yeah, down right. from that. <laughs> but we got good ones. Sabalenka, Benchich, Ben Shelton, J.J. Wolf cannot wait. Uh, Tommy Paul. We, we could have three Americans in the quarterfinals. Most of the Australian Open since 2000. If that happens, Agassi, Sampras, Chris Woodruff. Oh, wow. That would be the interesting Rock trivia pull. there. Good pull. But let, let's start by breaking down Tommy yeah. Paul, Roberto Bautista Agut. Looking at our Tennis Express head-to-head between these two. It's 3-1 for RBA. The score lines are wild, John. 6-3, 6-4, the three times that Bautista Agut won. 4-4 four and four for Paul, so virtually the same scoreline yeah, every they time. They don't like to split sets. And also, look at this. I mean, these are two guys decade apart in age, and this will be their fifth time playing in less than two years. So they know each other's games well. Some of this will be about managing the occasion, managing the moment. Again, it doesn't look as though uh, there's a lot of once, – once somebody wins the first set, it's over. history holds. It's over, <laughs> exactly. Um I think it'll be interesting to see sort of the, the steady, you know what you're getting at both sides of the net. Uh, Tommy Paul, I think, a little more explosive, a little more athletic, but RBA just so steady. This is an interesting contrast. I'm, I'm going to lean towards the American here. I know Tommy's only gotten one win, but Tommy made some big strides last year, really coming into his game, using all different aspects. And again, he made that racket change. I think he's getting a little bit more pop on the ball at the start of this season. So I'd like him to repeat what he did in Paris last year. I, I agree. He won the most recent matchup yeah. between the yeah. two. So I think that holds a lot of ground in this one. Benchich and Sabalenka, 1-1 Adelaide 1, 1-1 Adelaide 2. So both have a lot of confidence coming in. Yeah, really the match of the day in terms of the women's draw with two players who are huge contenders to win this. They've come in both this season very fit and now very confident by winning those lead-up tournaments. But Sabalenka just has that little extra advantage with the power. And Benchich likes to hang close to the baseline. That's when she plays her best. It is so tough to play from that position off the heaviness, the pace, the weight of shot that Sabalenka brings. Um, been really impressed with Sabalenka. She's made some much-needed changes, not only to her service technique, but also her mentality out on court. I mean, I don't know. I picked golf yesterday. I'm picking Sabalenka today. I've just liked what I've seen so far. Benchich really handles pace well. I mean, there's some players that Sabalenka is just going to blow off the court. This is not one of them. But, again, I, I agree with you, Lindsay. And I also think just seven double faults this tournament. I mean, a year ago, she's through tears serving underhand. I don't think we've talked about this enough this is a big match and this is a real study in contrast but i think sabalenka in three sets i want to see who manages the occasion well also sabalenka hasn't been to that point where she's able to gotten over the hump and win that grand slam benchich on the other hand not a grand slam but able to do it at the olympics so she can pull on that 
So I'm curious if that happens, but overall, I do like Sabalenka straight up. Sabalenka hasn't dropped a set all year, but for some reason, my gut tells me to go with Benchich right. in this one. I just... See you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Wertham can go at me for it, for, for the Nishioka. We'll get in the group text. I mean, We're going to tuck and roll out here. Tucks and rolls. The, prob the problem on the forehand side, you can't, there's nowhere to roll. He's, he's got <laughs> fall flat oh, on the face. Now. Okay. You can watch that, that exactly. all night long. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Well, we will see you back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on full coverage in the morning. For John Prakash and Lindsay, I'm Steve. Thank you so much for joining us on TC Live. See you tomorrow.